thank you so much for coming in today. I, I want to make it worth your while. I hope it will be anyway to, to go through an actual study. So I'm going to take the time to break down some of the components of a carb versus fat type study. And I mentioned yesterday that the I personally think the, the best researcher in the game right now when it comes to researching diet methodology is Kevin Hall, who has has a directorship position in the NIH. He, he does, uh, as far as I know, you know, ma manages, directs all of the nutrition research at the Na National Institutes of Health. And I, I came across him, gosh, a long, long time ago. He must have been super early in his career because I remember seeing his name a long time ago. But it seems like he has really just built some momentum to be almost a, a catalyst uh, for this, this one particular issue. You know, is a low-fat or low-carb diet better? And he's even gotten into, into some some you know, scuffles academically with different people. And, and some people have published like response papers against him, which he has to respond to. So there's this, this interesting little bit of flair kind of drama, almost like, you know, Fauci versus Trump, you know, on the White House uh, stage there. And, and so it's kind of fun to see him have to restrain himself from being too snarky and making some of these responses. But he, he lets the research lead for him. He, he consistently, as soon as he sees or hears kind of a, a mythology being created and, and disseminated, he'll, he'll simply conduct a study to investigate it. And he's, he's incredibly fair. And I'm going to even go through in the study that I'm going to uh, comb through today, I'm going to even tell you some of the things that I think could be done in addition to it. One of the things that any scientist uh, should do at the end of reviewing a study is look for quote flaws and those aren't necessarily fatal flaws or critiques that, that negate the entire study but oftentimes the own researchers you know the researchers of their own study will often say you know here's what we found but we didn't really have time to look at this or this made us think that maybe this would have been a better way to design the study and so next time you know somebody who wants to replicate this might do it this way so there's even some self-deprecation involved when the pursuit is literal truth. You know, as long as you're not so overcome by confirmation bias that you just want to go out there and, and you know, punch people in the face with, with your bias, then, you know, there, there's always a certain level of humility, humility. And Kevin Hall is one of those guys I really respect in that, in that vein. So, so here's what he did. This, this particular study was in response to a growing surge of interest where ketogenic proponents we're saying, hey, if you do a low carb, high fat diet, it is better metabolically. It, it will, it, it, you know, especially from an endocrine system perspective, all of the hormones involved are, are better served and more active in your favor if you do a low carb diet. So Kevin Hall says, all right, challenge accepted. Let's, let's see. And so in 2015, he did a study and uh, it was published in, in Cell Metabolism. And when he looked at this, one of, the, one of the things he wanted to do, of course, because this is his MO at this point, he, he's one of these researchers who knows the difference, as I discussed yesterday, between a self-reported study and an inpatient study. And I, I think even though there is some value, you know, even down to 
case studies and anecdotal observation and uh, perhaps even you know survey studies. I'm I'm getting ready, hopefully, to engage in a series of survey studies. You can you can gather a lot of information that that points you in in good directions. But when you want to really study something, it has to be you know in a lab epidemiologically looking at, at massive, massive control of all the variables. So what better way in a nutrition study to do that than locking people up and only allowing them to eat what you feed them? It, it's truly the only way to get a real answer. So he looked at some of these assertions by the ketogenic proponents. And of course, their studies were all just self-reporting. And, and we talked about yesterday how that is incredibly flawed because self-reported studies have an average of about 30% unreliability, you know, actually under-reporting. So if you're part of a study, you're a, you're a subject and you're in the study, uh, you're, you're supposed to be on a low-fat or low-carb diet and they, they tell you what to eat or maybe they even give you the food to eat and they say, now be a good boy, be a good girl, only eat this. Then you come back in every week to do your body comp analysis or, or surveys and you- San Antonio's pretty bad. Hey, hey Bernie. Yeah, Bernie Dodd. We got your audio on, Bernie. I think as host, Joe, you may be able to oh, okay. mute to for, uh, force it onto her. Thanks, Kevin. I forgot about that. All right. Uh, yeah, a little mistake, you know, butt dial kind of thing happens all the time. But um, so when, you, when you're looking at these kind of studies, you, you really want to compare them. If, if, if one study says one thing and another study says something else, you really have to look at the methodology first. That, that's something really to dig into. So uh, Dr. Hall immediately says, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna look at which, which type of diet, a low carb or low fat diet is better metabolically, how this impacts the hormonal base, and, and even just obviously, which is better at losing body fat. So we're gonna take subjects and put them in a metabolic ward. And as I mentioned yesterday, you can't do this for six months. You can't do it with a million subjects, you know, when you're paying somebody full time to do a study. Uh, if you guys have ever been paid for a study, it's really interesting. When, when I was at the IU Med School, uh, it's it's actually a great way to make some extra money. You know, there's always somebody doing studies. So like the dental school, the physical therapy school, the med school, they're always just paying students, you know, a little bit of money to be involved in a certain study. And uh, so so what, what Kevin Hall did was he, he took uh, 19 subjects, nine women, 10 men. They were an average of about 35 years old. They had an average BMI of around 40, which is, um, you know, I think the women were, uh, let's see, probably around maybe, maybe 37, 38. The men were around 41, 42. So, so you know, poundage wise, the, these, you know, average age, 35 year old people, almost 20 of them were, you know, anywhere between, you know, 200 pounds and about 240, 250 pounds, male and female. So they were classified as obese and he, he, they put them in a metabolic ward for two, two week periods. So you would come in, you would re report for this study and they, they immediately gave everybody a, a, a metabolic cart test in a metabolic chamber. 
So, so they, they ascertain everybody's exact metabolic rates and they, they give you a maintenance level calorie diet for whatever you needed for five days. They, they did a, a traditional USDA type diet. So about 50% carbs, 35% fat, 15% protein, and, and, you know, and gave them that for five days as kind of a washout mechanism. So, you know, everybody has a, a physiological stable base to begin. Then they would do a week long, you know, you were in one group or the other high, high carb or high fat diet for six days. And they would take these measurements. Then you got to go home, you know, for a couple of weeks and get kind of another little washout period. Then you came back it, to repeat that only this time in reverse. So every single subject gets to be both in the high carb and the high fat or low carb, low fat, depending on how you look at it. Uh, study groups. So you're not just even having to deal with, you know, like, well, who knows how many like superstar metabolic people were over here. Maybe they had, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in this study group that were younger and, and more athletic and all these things. Again, Kevin Hall, I, I love this guy for this reason. He really takes out a lot of design flaws right from the beginning. So they go through all of this work. And as I, as I mentioned, when you're doing inpatient studies, you're going to really be restricted by how long you can keep people. So it was this, this, these, these two, two week block intervals, and then you have to do some statistic modeling because you look at what happens in those six days. And this is one of those design quote flaws or critiques where you say, well, if this happens in the first six days, do we really know what happens in the second six days and maybe the, the 40th you know, week and so forth? Those things take other studies to confirm. And so even at the end of this, this particular study in cell metabolism, they, um, you know, they, they said, you know, here's a list of you know, 20 studies that also concluded the same things. And these other 30 studies that concluded the same things. And, and out of those 30 or so studies we looked at to try and confirm results, you know, two of them actually showed something else. So they're, they're intellectually honest enough to say, here, here is exactly what we see in every other study. So, so almost every time you do even one piece of research, there's almost a feel of a literature review. You, you have to, you, you don't put, just put this out there in a vacuum. You're putting it in the context of other research that's already been done. So a particular study like this is, is probably 20 or so pages just to kind of slog through what was published, you know, let alone how much longer the actual, you know, notes and, and so forth would have been. So with all of that said, oh, by the way, they also did, uh, let, let me tell you about the calorie uh, intake. Uh, they also wanted them to be somewhat active, you know, just kind of replicating real life. So they had them do an hour of treadmill activity, um, you know, every day, obviously with people who are mostly sedentary and, and overweight, they weren't running sprints or doing intervals, but, you know, they were moderately active just so there's some metabolic activity. And when, when I tell you that they, they kind of baselined out everybody's, their, their washout diet just to get them ready and, and they, they did the metabolic cart testing for that. The average person, and this is really of interest to me, the average person between, you know, almost half men and half women, just their basal metabolic rate was, was just over 2,700 calories. So remember I told you that when we're heavier, uh, that, that, that load on our muscular system and our heart and lungs, like, like you'll never quote, need more calories than when you are heavier. 
So a lot of people think, man, when I just lose 40 pounds or 60 pounds, I'm going to be able to eat so much because my metabolism is going to be amazing. Your metabolism is way higher. The heavier you are, the, the more out of shape you are because of that, that physical load. But again, it's all relative. We won't, we won't get into that today. Um, you know, we, we've covered that topic many, many times. But 2,700 calories as a, as a basal metabolic rate, as an average among 20 subjects, that was, that was you know, one of those reminders of, of that principle to me. So what they did was they said, okay, let's, that's everybody's baseline. Now let's cut it by 30%. So you're reducing calories by 30% seems like a lot. I mean, to, to me anyway, as a nutrition consultant, but when you do that math, the average person was still eating over 1900 calories a day. That's, that's not bad. That is not bad at all. And the way they divided the low carb and the low fat group up, since they were still using, uh, you know, I wouldn't even say the RDA level of, of food it's, it's, or protein, it's very close, but the average person was still consuming about 100 grams of protein a day. Uh, and for male or female, you know, who's not a competitive Olympic athlete or something like that, like that's, that's a good amount. That's, that's, a, that's an amount any, any general population person could strive for and, 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 and be well served with, with the amount of protein you're consuming. So for the, the low uh, carb group, this is another, I, I wouldn't say it's a critique of mine, but you have to put these variables someplace. You have to decide why you're going to do it a certain way. And, and you're, you're justifying that, you know, based again on the context of your research and what you want to investigate. But for the low carb group, they, they put their, their carbs at, uh, what was it, like a, a 140 grams. And so they were going by a percentage and that still allowed them to have 100 plus grams of fat, 108 grams of fat. So 100 or so grams of protein, 108 grams of fat, and carbs around 140, that almost to me sounds just, I mean, it's obviously lower carb. I would never have somebody's fat as a suggestion from me at 108, but you could, if you really wanted to test a ketogenic diet, you could have been way down. So, so keep that in mind. This was a low carb diet. I mean, by, by design that the, the medical definition of a low carb diet, but it was not a ketogenic diet. So then for the, uh, the low fat group, they put them down all the way to an average of 17 grams of fat. So I, I, I wasn't thrilled with the fact that they, they left the low carb group still at kind of a moderate level of carbs. And then they took the low fat group and they put them way down low. I mean, could, I mean, 17 grams of fat that, that for a day, that is very difficult, but they had 350 grams of carbs. So that, this would really be classified as a high carb diet. But again, everybody based on their own basal metabolic rate with an exact 30% restriction in calories went through this process. So the final results, you know, here's, here's the drum roll. The, in six days and, and with DEXA scanning, so you're really looking at true fat loss and lean body mass, that kind of thing. You're, you're not conflating water loss or hydration changes, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a pure DEXA scan. The, uh, the low, the, the low carb group. So the high fat group, they lost half a pound, just over half a pound of fat in six days. 
the low fat group doubled that. They lost over a pound. So when you get into statistical analysis and mathematical modeling, you have to say, okay, you know, not, not only was it a doubling, so, so in one month or six months, you know, you wouldn't just see a doubling, you have to see how far that's skewing out to see, see what that difference could be in six months or a year or something like that. But, but just for the, the base of this particular study, think of the fact that on the same amount of calories in isocaloric diet study designed exactly for your specific metabolism, and the fact that you as a subject, you got to test both with, with complete washouts and baseline diets prior, again, the, the greatest variable control you could have. And then, you know, you're losing twice as much body fat, twice as much on the same amount of calories, just by making sure that your, your fat intake was lower. So that's, that's the first little bit of, of information. The second is, well, what about these assertions that it's better for your, your hormonal environment. So they wanted, they tested serum hormone levels like insulin and, and they showed that, um, you know, the, the low carb group, so the higher fat, low carb group certainly had substantial decreases in circulating insulin. And this is supposed to be a huge goal, right? This, this is actually called the, the insulin theory of fat loss. And, and a lot of people made this popular, like, like the zone diet and, and even Dr. Atkins, where, man, it's all about controlling insulin. If you just get insulin down, that's the key. The whole ball of wax is just getting insulin down. There's even a journalist out there, Gary Taubes, again, absolutely no training in nutrition, zero, but he's a journalist and he got a name and started making money by writing books on nutrition. And he happened to fall in love with ketogenic dieting. So he's out there writing books, creating marketing hype. And he's a big proponent of saying it's all about insulin. Carbs are fattening. Well, here's a study, inpatient study, metabolic ward, showing that even with insulin being dramatically reduced, you still had the higher insulin level group lose twice as much body fat. So it's not all about insulin. Insulin is an important variable, but it's not all about insulin. It's about total calories. It's about total fat. And, and it's about the, the law that, you know, the first law of thermodynamics, just, just how much energy you're taking in versus expending. It's not about, there's nothing magic about reducing carbs as an insulin, um, you know, driving uh, mechanism. It's just, it's just not. So here's, here's another interesting thing that's a little bit of a myth. You would say, well, you know, if, if I'm a ketogenic proponent, if I really want to convince people that you've got to be on a, a low-carb diet, I would say, man, when you are in a low-carb diet, fat oxidation goes through the roof, meaning your body's use of fat as energy skyrockets. And that was proven here. Fat oxidation in the low-carb group did skyrocket because that's all you have to use is energy. You're, you're, you're using such little carbs. It's not all body fat. It's all the fat in your diet. You're becoming more efficient. We've covered this as well in our, in our chats. You're becoming more efficient at using fat as energy, which is great, but that doesn't mean you're using more calories. And so he, he took two of the biggest 
nails you could to put in the coffin of ketogenic dieting proponents saying that their methodology is better. So again, once you extrapolate this out over time and you start running that data, it, it just becomes increasingly true that, that a, a lower fat diet is better because of one more nail. The third nail in this coffin is the fact that in just six days, just six days, while the low fat group, even on a 30% cal 30 calorie restricted diet, their metabolism didn't change whatsoever. Their metabolic capacity didn't change. Guess what happened to the low carb group? Theirs fell by almost 100 calories. If in the very first week of calorie restriction, your metabolism is already falling that fast, what do you think happens at week 10 or 12 or 20? So, you know, I, I set this whole talk up yesterday by going through some of these categories that we would want to know. I mean, if we're going to be good students of nutrition, you know, just, just people using this information to try and live our best, healthiest lives, these are things we want to know. What's best for my metabolism? A low fat diet. What's best for maintain, for losing body fat to the tune of twice as fast? A low fat diet. Isocalorically assumed, you know, I'm talking about the, having the exact same amount of calories. What's going to be best for uh, sustainability? That, that wasn't covered in this study, but they certainly discussed it because of having to extrapolate out those mathematical models. You have to make certain assumptions for sustainability and who's going to be able to follow this. And we know through a lot of other research studies that low carb diets are the least sustainable. They are the ones that lead to the most binge eating, the most eating disorders, and they have the lowest sustainability. So again, and that's, that's ketogenic. If, if you did just a low carb diet as this study was, then I think compliance is a little bit better. If, if you try to tell me I can have zero grams of carbs versus I can have 140 grams of carbs, that's, that's a world of difference. I, I mean, 140 grams of carbs is, is way more sustainable than, than just never having any. So, so that's where I would say that this particular study was even generous. I mean, they showed these results and those people still had a pretty good amount of carb intake. If you drop them down to nothing, the metabolism drop probably would have been a lot worse. Uh, certainly there would have been more uh, fat, um, you know, oxidation, which you would expect because you just, you have to rely on more fat. You're actually consuming more fat. But with all that said, uh, I would also kind of include that one final um, category that, that wasn't addressed here, which is lean body mass and, and, and even hormones like, like testosterone, because that's another place that, that people tend to say, well, if you, if you have a high fat diet, you know, you got to have that steak, man, you got to have that beef. That, that fat to increase or maintain testosterone. And again, the, the long-term studies on this show just the opposite. The, 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 the more difference uh, you, you know, level you have between fat intake and, and just, just carbs, if, if you're gonna try and reproduce this particular type of study, the, the, the higher your fat, the lower your testosterone goes. And, 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 and you could also say that if you are just in a hypo caloric diet for too long, testosterone is also going to go down. So I don't want you to think that just eating carbs prevents that. That has a lot more to do with just your dieting status as well as your body composition. So no matter how you diet, 
either, either pick either camp. If you're down to three or 4% body fat, your testosterone is going to drop. Even if you did everything the right way, if you've dieted for an entire year and you weren't careful to take breaks and so forth, your, your hormonal panel is also going to be depreciated quite a bit. And that's why it's, it's important to take some of those diet breaks and make sure you're dieting at a, at a healthy pace. But all of that on the table for discussion. Do you guys have any questions? Even some of our guests, I appreciate you guys jumping in here to, uh, to talk about this and, and listen. But uh, if you have any questions about your own personal journey in, in uh, body composition management, weight loss, performance, you know, certainly I, I would love to talk about those. We've got quite a bit of time left. Anybody reaching? There you go, Steve. Hey, I missed half of what you talked about. I had a call. Um, we got the tail end. Quick question, easy answer. Fat in the blood, will you use any stored fat when there's fat in the blood? Um, it, or it, it, fat use is the simplest to use from bloodstream, so it won't extract from cells. It's a, it's a percent basis, Steve. So the question is, you know, any lipids uh, in your, in your bloodstream, will those, will those prevent you from using stored body fat? And uh, you know, just even looking at this study as an example, these people were still consuming, or I should not say still, but, but they were consuming 108 grams of fat per day and they still lost half a pound of body fat. Uh, but the other group with only 17 grams of fat intake per day, they lost twice as much. So you can see that there was a 100% increase in fat mobilization from stored body fat cells versus what's in the bloodstream. So, so any fat in your diet, I mean, you're, you're always going to maintain some, some levels of lipids in your bloodstream. Uh, but, but again, it's a percent basis. What, when, when you have less to draw from, then your body's going to, you know, get that from your, your stored body fat cells. Uh, somebody asked a question here, Amanda, what kind of scans were used that they would be, I, I think you're asking about DEXA scans. Oh, okay. Uh, Kevin said that as well. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, 99.9% accurate. It's, it's literally, you know, using low, um, frequency x-rays so that you're, you're looking at the, the exact kind of tissue. Uh, they did measure metabolic rate after the diet, yes. And the, uh, the, the people who were on the low-fat diet, higher carbs, their metabolic rates stayed the exact same. So after six days, no change. The other group dropped by almost 100 calories. So if you did the math on that, out of an almost 2,000-calorie-a-day diet, um, you know, 100 calories, that would be... It, it, it's, it's a low percent. I should actually do that math here. Um, so you're looking at, um, is that a 5% change or so then that quickly maybe, maybe it's only a 0.05% change, but it's, it, it's showing a substantial trend, at least in that direction from from these people having zero hits to their metabolism with having a higher carb diet and these people dropping already by almost a hundred calories a day. So again, if you, if you 
show that statistically out in the distance, that's only going to continue happening, which it does. There are other, you know, many, many, many other longitudinal studies that have shown that the metabolism does, you know, almost linearly continue to drop when you're in that, that uh, type of ketogenic type diet. And, you know, just as a, as a little anecdotal story, as a pro competitive bodybuilder for 20 years and, um, you know, my, my own academic pursuits in nutrition, I have done everything. I have tested everything in my own body from long stints of vegetarianism to ketogenic dieting. And, and there were two periods of my life that I did ketogenic dieting exactly how it's supposed to be. Uh, one time it just wrecked my GI system for life. That's why, you know, GI function is a kind of a, a hobby horse of mine. Um, but, but both times I, as a, as a competitive bodybuilder using this as part of my prep for a contest, I, I never achieved the body fat composition that I needed. I never got lean enough on a ketogenic diet but I lost so much muscle. I lost so much size that by the time I got to those contests, it was just a total fail. I looked at myself compared to other seasons and I just thought, you know, what in the fuck happened? Like I did everything like you're supposed to, you know, these quote experts were telling me, and this was even before I had done my first doctorate in nutrition. Um, I was just a hungry consumer trying to figure all this out, uh, you know, consumer of information. And, and it was, it was unbelievable how not, not only badly it felt, I mean, if you, if you've gone on a ketogenic diet for four or five or six months, you, you know, you're, you're suffering, uh, you know, zero energy for training. And, and yet I lost so much muscle, lost so much strength, did not lose the amount of body fat I should have, you know, paid a horrible price with my health. And, um, I, and, and I replicated the study twice because I thought, well, you know, maybe I did something wrong the first time. So let's try it again. And, you know, same result. And, and these are the kind of things I see with my own clients. I have a lot of clients who come to me with that as a background. And then we, we engage in better nutrition habits and, and they see the difference. Like, oh my gosh, I get to eat so much food and I feel like a real human being again. And I'm actually not losing muscle and my metabolism isn't falling off the table. So I, you know, you can see the longer I talk about this, I, I, I do show a little bit of my, my personal investment and, you know, some somewhat of an anger level because this really is not a good thing to do. It's not healthy. Uh, it's not better by, by any metric whatsoever. And yet there are still people who make this the number one method in our country. Um, any given year, you look at the top 100 best-selling books on the market right now, I guarantee you about 10 of the 100 are nutrition books, and every single one of them are ketogenic books, uh, because it's just that allure, that promise of super, super fast weight loss, which because of the, the amount of water loss generated by, by lower carbs initially, it always seems so great. It's like that, that first week, like, oh man, I remember that time I was on a low carb diet and I lost seven pounds the first week. I got to do that again. This time I'll be better at it. And we never realize it's the diet that's failing us. We're not the ones failing. You know, that's part of that sustainability in the equation. But it's, it, you know, it, I, I always tell people, look, you can, you can look at the research. You can listen to opinions. Try it yourself if you want. You know, if, if you have to be the one that touches the hot stove to make sure it's hot, then then feel free. I, I, I value experiential learning. Been there, done that. I'm telling you, you're going to you're going to confirm the research that's already there. 
Uh, anything, Kevin, that you think we should throw in here in the mix? For, for you guys who are just joining us as guests, uh, Dr. Kevin Brunacini uh, has his, his doctorate as a nurse practitioner. He, he, he teaches uh, in, in a university as well as he is one of our coaches. And uh, in my own work with, with general population clients, he and I co-coach. So he's, uh, he's kind of my, my wingman and, and we're partners in doing this with, with a lot of people. So anything you want to throw in there, Kevin? I've read the study. I've actually heard Kevin Hall present this in just a community, uh, just like community forum here in, in the local area. And um, I think what astounds me most is just the drop in met rate in, in six days is just staggering because while that may, that's bound to occur with any dieting process to think that you could have, you know, 5% if that's what the, if that's what the math was in just six days, to me, that's just so significant that how, how, why would someone want to endure that if they don't have to? I mean, if the context is there for whatever reason, fine, but in, in a true general population sense, you know, I don't, no client wants to ruin their metabolism for weight, for weight loss. And it's just, it, to me, it's just, it's reckless. And that's what's just like you, I'm, I'm biased against, you know, low carb keto approaches, but it's just, it's, it's when it's to the point of taking advantage of vulnerable populations, that's where from a medical aspect that just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to cross that line it, and it should never happen with the patient or client. And yet it happens for, for a lot of reasons, but it's quite frustrating how it's, um, how people are taking advantage for that reason, even from, even from legitimate clinicians. And that's probably even more frustrating um, from my perspective uh, that they should know better. And yet they just don't, they don't, they don't seem to care or they're just, you know, showing uh, an obvious sign of lack of character or clinical integrity. But, you know, I'll go off on my diatribe there, but um, it's, I guess there's really nothing too much to say from a um, I just find the the met rate drop to be the most significant to me because, you know, it's everything else is nothing new to us necessarily in terms of the results, but it's nice to have affirmation of, of what we know to be supported by the body of evidence out there. And this is truly just one study. I mean, Kevin Hall himself has been involved in hundreds of studies and has personally conducted, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens. Um, you know, to, to the point of uh, Amanda who asked, you know, well, well, maybe if you just had to lose quick weight, like, like you really just needed to lose some weight, would it be a better approach? And, and I would say yes, but depending on what kind of weight you want to lose, because again, remember in just six days, the higher carb group lost twice as much body fat. So if you want to lose weight as an extra water, like you just, for some reason, you think, you know, in, instead of losing a total of two or three pounds with one pound of it being fat, if you want to lose six or seven pounds in that first week and only half a pound of it being body fat, like, like for a surgery, like maybe you have to just reduce blood pressure for a surgery. And so you just need gross body weight loss. You don't mind that your metabolism is always coming that already coming down you don't mind that you lost half the body fat, then, then yes, a low carb diet would do that. But I, I would also say that just a low calorie, lower calorie diet would do it even better. 
for example, if, if you go to the Mayo Clinic and you need some kind of an emergency surgery and, and they think it's a, your, your current body weight is a risk and they won't even do the surgery for two months or three months or six months. I've had orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons send me patients and, you know, and they'll walk in my door and say, Dr. So-and-so won't, won't do my surgery until I lose 50 pounds. You know, Dr. So-and-so won't do my surgery until I lose 100 pounds. And the, if you, you know, the Mayo Clinic has classified what's called a very low calorie diet as 500 calories a day. So, you know, regardless of what kind of macronutrient distribution you want, if you want to lose weight quickly, just don't eat. Obviously, that's not, you know, the, the safest, healthiest, best way for long term sustainable weight loss or fat loss. But the lower you reduce your calories, you will lose even faster. Uh, you know, guests on this call won't know this, but I, I we had a, a couple chats on our, on our daily live supports about fasting and intermittent fasting. And I shared with the group that I've done a, uh, you know, a seven day pure water fast where I, matter of fact, I lied to you guys, by the way, I, I need to clean this up. I need to, I need a confession time here. I was going to do seven days, but I stopped it after five because I kind of had experienced what I wanted to experience. So, so I was going to do seven days after day five, it was a Friday night, it was a beautiful summer day. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to break my five day water fast didn't have any juices or broths or anything else, just water for five days. And I had a piece of watermelon and then kind of eased in at that. But in those five days, Amanda, I lost, I lost 14 pounds. So, you know, obviously a ton of water, but also, you know, when you're, when you're having zero calories and you're probably still burning 2000 a day, you're going to lose a lot of extra body fat as well. Looks like somebody put that study up there. Yes, it was uh, 19. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was a, uh, 2015, Kevin Hall, he, he had, uh, I believe 16 other collaborators on this particular study, uh, done at the NIH. But yeah, I mean, if you guys are really interested in this, you know, do a comparison, look up, look up in that study, some of the studies that they cite, uh, even the ones that don't necessarily support their conclusions. And then you can compare methodology, see how they conducted those studies differently. Um, but, but on top of Amanda's question, I want to, I want to point out that, um, you know, not, not necessarily in terms of if you need to lose, you know, weight, not body fat, but just weight fast, would it be better to go low carb? And, and I agree with that to some degree, but there are times when a lower carb approach is helpful. And the gold standard right now, every single time somebody tells you that they love a low carb diet, like I'm married to this methodology, I'm keto all the way they will justify it by saying, did you know that if somebody has grand mal seizures and they're an epileptic, that if they go on zero carb diets, like it'll cure their epilepsy? And I'm like, yeah, I do know that. And guess what? 1% of the population has epilepsy. We don't govern all of human nutrition and physiology by 1% who has a massive significant health disorder all of proper nutrition in the entire compendium of research, we don't throw all of that out for one disease where 1% of the population has it. But it does show that for something that has massive implications with, with systemic inflammation, maybe just specific to the brain, Th thank goodness we found a cure for those people or something that really helps. Thank goodness we know that if they eat a certain way that is low carb, 
it improves their condition significantly. That's an amazing finding. That is fantastic for people who have epilepsy. Has nothing to do with normal nutrition. Similarly, as, as we've talked about with cancer prevention, you know, after we chatted about this, Kevin sent me some some links and, and we we had a discussion. And I and we talked about how cancer cells use sugar as as energy. And so it's it's well thought that if you have cancer, you're in stage three, stage four cancer, just just drop sugar to nothing. Matter of fact, drop carbs to nothing. There have been research studies with stage four cancer patients that they do better on a ketogenic diet, not just low carb, but zero carb diet. And if I had stage four cancer, I would look very seriously at that research. I would look at it like I've never looked at it before to say, is there something I can do to save my life or the life of a loved one? And if a ketogenic diet does it, again, fantastic. I would do that if the, the evidence is really there. Has nothing to do with normal nutrition. There, there's not a correlation directly to that, except there are certainly a lot of correlations to overfeeding in general. The fact that 70% of us are overweight or obese. Hey, Christian, good to see you. Love it when you pop your head in the door. Um, but you know, that, that overall systemic inflammation is a real problem and it's not just carbs versus fat. It's eating too many calories. It's always being in a calorie surplus where we're gaining weight every year has a lot to do with saturated fat and processed carbs and refined sugar, not just carbs versus fat. That's an entirely different discussion. So when you hear these ketogenic proponents go right for the epilepsy card or the, the stage four cancer card, realize you're talking about disease processes that are incredibly specialized and, and you, would, you would be silly to say that there is a, is a direct correlation. Uh, some overlapping corollaries in some places, but not a correlation. So any, uh, any other questions? Let's see, somebody said, I would love to share this with my keto friends. Um, I'll, I'll consider that, Amanda. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll set it to my, my video guy and we'll see if we can clean it up a little bit and make it nice and, and we can do that. Um, but again, you guys would have to agree as well because all of your names and pretty faces are in here. So that those would be shared. Wouldn't want to mm -hmm. out, out somebody if you didn't want to be known to be inside of the Flexible Dieting Institute daily live support chat and Go. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I have a friend just yesterday. Girlfriend has th had had thyroid cancer, and she doesn't uh, have a gallbladder. So keto on with someone like that, because that's what she's doing. Yeah, that's going to be misery. Um... You know, the, the, the gallbladder secretes bile into the, uh, you know, small intestine to, to help emulsify that fat. And if you don't have a gallbladder and you're eating a high fat diet, you're going to be in a lot of pain and GI dysfunction. Um, so, you know, number one, I, I would present to her this kind of research showing, okay, you know, let's, let's first get calories down, make sure you're not gaining body fat, make sure you're not in a super anabolic state because that's also a, you know, one of the feeding mechanisms of cancer cells. Uh, but let's also just get rid of refined sugar and refined carbohydrates. But, but do you really think 
you know, an apple or some brown rice or some oatmeal, you know, is, is going to impede cancer survival. Um, you know, that, that was one of Kevin's points when we talked about this is it's, it's actually the fermentation process, which is another part of, of metabolism. So you've got the Krebs cycle, which deals with, you know, turning glucose into water in ATP. And then we have fermentation. Uh, there are two or three different main ways that we, we can derive energy from food. Um, but, but I would, I would say, look, that's, that's a tough trade. You know, we definitely have to, you know, reduce those lesser quality forms of carbs, but she's going to have to live with what her gallbladder can give her very, very unique specialized instance there, but that would be my, my first look at it. Thanks. Uh, Brandon, you have a question. Hey, yes. Um, so both my parents, um, they're on the side of being the, uh, diabetic and a lot of them, you know, um, they believe that the, the path of low calorie, I mean, sorry, low carb, you know, sort of a ketogenic approach is the best route for them. Um, I asked them really, you know, what the, what's the reason for that? And, you know, the reason being is, you know, insulin sensitivity. Um, and I mean, I, for one, tried keto at 1.2 and I mean, it was, it was a worse experience, but a lot of people that I've seen that do that keto and, and on behalf of my parents as well, I am aware, you know, they don't keep track of their calories whatsoever. I mean, it's, um, it's a portion of the eyes, I guess, what, what they do. And a lot of the times looking at the kind of foods that they're eating is high fat content, which it's not always restricting, you know, the, the bad sorts of fats, you know, all the saturated fats. Um, how is it that someone could possibly correct that insulin sensitivity in a situation like that? Okay. Good, good, good question. And uh, hope you're doing well down there in Texas. Uh, tough times. I, I hear everything's getting better. Uh, one of our own program owners and coaches who lives in Houston, she had, she had no power for four days, pipe broke, and the entire ceiling above her kitchen just caved in and just, just a mess. But anyway, glad you're with us, Brandon. Really, really cool that you've made it. Um, so insulin sensitivity, there, we talked actually a lot about this in the last couple of days this week. And and you have to realize that that changes gradually. So nobody's going to go from being a type two diabetic or having you know hypoglycemic episodes to all of a sudden eating perfectly well one day and it corrects everything. You know those receptor sites, the receptor site degradation and the receptor site uh, affinity. You know all of that changes gradually over time. It resensitizes, and and so. You have to ask people, okay, let's, let's do what's best for your health. Let's, let's make these changes. And if they're too aggressive, we can do it slowly. Let's monitor symptoms. If, 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 if somebody like a nutrition consultant says you should have, you know, this amount of protein, carbs, and fat, and this is the, the calorie level I think you should be at, um, you know, there still has to be some flexibility. I mean, that's what flexible dieting is all about. And so that person, because of a condition like, like, insulin sensitivity, you know, may still feel hypoglycemic. And so they may have to have higher amounts of carbs some days versus others. And they've just got to be really sensitive to their own internal health and medical cues. But it doesn't change the fact that over time, it, it is the lower calories and just the improving health that's going to make that change. So to Dr. Hall's point in this particular study, the higher carb group their insulin levels didn't change, but it didn't matter. They still lost twice the body fat. They still, you know, sustained their metabolic capacity. They still, you know, were on track mathematically to maintain their lean body mass and their momentum. 
So all of those things point in the direction of sustainability, which is the single greatest thing. But Brandon, you bring up another point that I really like. They're not necessarily tracking their calorie intake. And that's a super attraction of ketogenic dieting. There are companies out there now using taglines like, oh, stop doing that silly, you know, calorie counting stuff and weighing and measuring food. That's just stupid. Don't do that. All you have to do is avoid this food, entire food group, and only eat this and you'll be fine. And that's another, you know, selling point, a marketing point for ketogenic dieting is you don't have to do anything except just eat fat all day. And it's again, I mean, the, the data is there. So I would, I would, if it was were my family, you know, first of all, you know, that's a sensitive topic, how far you can push somebody, but I would just say, here's the data. I mean, this is, these are the facts you can believe them or not, but this, this is a well-researched topic. Any other, uh, any other questions before we leave? I can't believe it's already been 50 minutes. Really appreciate you guys coming in as guests. That's, uh, Makes me feel good that we're doing something worthwhile. Roseanne or Annalisa, you guys, top, top tier coaches have anything? Oh, I'm just, I'm really grateful you brought this study up. I know you've talked about it in the past, but to have it explained really uh, helps me out, especially with some of my clients who just kind of prefer higher fat diet, but isn't really necessarily making the losses that they want. So I may be having conversation and just explaining this a bit more to them and letting them make a more informed decision. Thanks, Rosanna. I appreciate that. Very, very good point. I still want to put that challenge out, bring another person each week. Bye. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll keep pushing for that. Annalisa, were you going to say something? Yes, the, thanks for the study. is very, very interesting. And we also are seeing this in the field. On the field, on the field when we, are, we prep and coaches uh, clients, uh, we uh, notice that they obtain better results if we have more carbs and lower fat, um, even if calories are the same. They feel better, they train better, and they also get better results. So And more associated too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And, and that's an important part of study. Like it's, you, you can read this, these research reviews and studies from other people, but when you see it time after time after time, I mean, I, I have to say, out of all the things I've ever done, you know, my entire education, plus my personal experience, I've learned more from working with thousands and thousands of clients over 25 years. I mean, that's, th those are a lot of individual studies I've done, you know, case studies one at a time. And, and you, you see the results over and over and over. Good, good point, Annalisa. Um, I'll, I'll close this with this guys. And it's it just, just to, to jump on Annalisa's point. I, I had one particular client who came to me who was a ketogenic dieter. This was a guy who was eating 200 grams of fat a day, no carbs, just, just enough carbs for, you know, GI motility. So in fiber sources, so about 20, 25 grams, like a salad or two a day, along with just 200 grams of fat. And, and he was, you know, to his credit, he was doing ketogenic dieting well. It, you know, it wasn't even like high protein. It was moderate protein. So it could be classified as purely keto. And he wanted me to help him get ready for a bodybuilding contest. And I said, I will, and I'm going to start out doing it your way, 
but I want you to at least be willing to experiment. And so I, I took him, you know, after a couple of weeks of kind of baselining him out and we started adding a little bit of carb, replacing some, you know, and, and he was even doing it in the, what's a really traditional ketogenic way. He was getting all of this in two meals a day. So long story short, after 20 weeks of dieting, he went from 200 grams of fat a day as his intake down to about 50 or 60 grams. He was eating 20 grams of carbs. I had moved him all the way up to 400 grams of carbs a day. And he lost 20 pounds of body fat, regained five pounds of lean body mass. And you guys in physique sport know that when you're in a calorie deficit, you do not gain muscle. You don't gain muscle when you're in a calorie deficit. Ketogenic dieting is so bad, he regained five pounds, got shredded. He was, by the way, he was up to four meals a day, moved him from four, from two meals a day to four. And, and what that does, if you did the math, we increased, he lost that much body fat and he was eating more calories at the end than where he started. That is just how flawed ketogenic dieting is on every level when, when you go out, even from this, this study, which was a great study, over six days to six months, it just mathematically compounds in the favor of maintaining some carbs. And, and I have to say, just like my graphics you know, stated, or, or at least my text in my posts that, that, that I announced this, this lecture, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you don't manage carbs. We still need to have a certain amount of overall calorie intake, and it means we have to have a certain amount of carbs. There, there's still an awareness and a, and a metric to that. It doesn't mean that quality is just out the window. We still have health values and principles we want to live by. So it's not just eat sugar and bad carbs. It's, it's, it's carbs in a clinical sense versus fat. And you know, ketogenic dieting, low carb dieting versus moderate to, to low fat dieting. But uh, for you guys, I, I will post this. I, I know it's been uh, posted here a couple of times. I'll, I'll post the link to this again on my social media. So if you guys hit me on Facebook or Instagram at Joe Klimzeski, I'll have that there. But um, yeah, any, any other questions, feel free to follow up. We can continue this on through some social media. And uh, for you guys who are our clients and coaches, we'll of course see you here every day, Monday through Friday. And if you guys are guests, you're certainly welcome to come back next Friday. We plan on keeping Fridays open like this and you can, you can tell friends and share that link. We don't mind. And I just want to say thanks for everybody's attention and great questions. Uh, this is really, really good discussion.